Holy Spirit has freedom. The Holy Spirit can do whatever He wants to do, okay? He, he's not subject to us, we are subject to Him. But what we believe about the Holy Spirit is defined by the Holy Bible. And we need to embrace the mystery of the Holy Spirit without relinquishing our grasp on the authority of the Holy Bible. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. We're just getting started on a new series here on Resonate. It has a one-word title, Help. Do you ever feel like you need help? I think it's pretty safe to say you do, if you're human, that is. Well, there's good news if you're a follower of Jesus. As believers, we've been promised the most amazing help possible. Here's Pastor Trent to explain. Uh, You could find Zechariah chapter 4. I will meet you there in just a moment. As we've said earlier, we are launching a series on the Holy Spirit entitled Help. I have been wanting to do this series for about three years and waiting on the green light from the Lord to put it in the right spot. So here we are, we're gonna spend the next couple of months searching the scriptures in relation to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now having said that, I want to make you aware that there are two errors, two ditches that churches tend to slide into when you start talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The first ditch is this one. We can pay too much attention to the Holy Spirit, and some churches do that. Now, in order to understand the proper attention that we should pay to the Holy Spirit, we need to see what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. In John 16, verse 14, Jesus said this, He, the Holy Spirit will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Uh, The main purpose of the Holy Spirit is to disclose the glory of Jesus. If you want to experience the Holy Spirit in all of his fullness, then you ought to make your life about what the Holy Spirit's life is about, glorify Jesus, because that's what the Holy Spirit is up to right now. Too many churches minimize the authority of the Word of God, the written revelation of the Word of God, in favor of subjective so-called revelations and prophecies above the written revelation of the Word of God. We're not a charismatic church, and we are not an anti-charismatic church. I have friends, charismatic pastors, who agree with me that much of what is going on in the name of the Holy Spirit is actually attempts by sincere people to manufacture or counterfeit signs and wonders that we read about in the Bible and a desire to see those things happen in our day. And yet sometimes we manipulate and manufacture things that actually aren't generated from the Holy Spirit. And so we can make too much of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just say, that is not the ditch that Harvest Bible Chapel is tempted to slide into, okay? As a matter of fact, here's the ditch that we would be tempted to slide into. We can make too little 
of the Holy Spirit. We can pay too little attention to the Holy Spirit. Churches like Harvest that have a high view of the authority of the written word of God can actually neglect the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We are Harvest Bible Chapel. And so every week we open up our Bibles and we wanna be taught objectively what is the objective word of God for my life? How can I know the will and the ways of God according to what God has revealed about himself in written scripture? And so this is what is true for all time, for all people in all places. And so we open up our Bibles. But please understand this. We can make so much of the written word of God that we can ignore the spirit of God that activates the word of God in our lives. Please understand this. The Holy Spirit and the Holy Bible are not competitors. They cooperate together. God is using the Holy Spirit who inspired the Holy Bible to reveal himself to us. And so the Holy Spirit and the Holy Bible are not competitors. They're complementary. We need both. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Holy Bible. The Holy Bible was authored by men who were moved by the Holy Spirit to record the self-disclosure of the nature of God, his will and his ways to us. And so every time I say, open your Bibles, what we're implying is we're opening our ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit to speak through the Holy Bible to us. And so the Holy Spirit is the author of the Holy Bible. The Holy Spirit illuminates the Holy Bible. You can't even understand the Holy Bible without the work of the Holy Spirit. But listen to this. You can't understand the Holy Spirit without the work of the Holy Bible. The only way we even know the Holy Spirit exists is because we've read it in the Holy Bible, right? And so what we know about the Holy Spirit is recorded for us in the Holy Bible. And the Holy Spirit illuminates the words so that when we read them, it's not like we're reading a Tom Sawyer novel. It's not like we're reading uh, the newspaper. The Holy Spirit of God speaks personally and authoritatively to us as we read the written words of the Bible. The Holy Spirit never contradicts the Holy Bible. I am amazed at the number of people who are seeking a word from God who are very unfamiliar with the words in the word of God. And people sometimes, they, they think that they don't have to study the scripture, they don't have to dig into the words of the Bible because they just have this little personal thing going on with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit speaks to them this way. Um, people come up to me sometimes and they will tell me the Holy Spirit told them to do something that is actually forbidden in the Holy Bible. I have a standard response when people come to me and say, God told me to do something contradictory to the word of God. I look at them and it's like, God told me to tell you he didn't say that. 
Don't tell me God told you to do something in violation. The Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. He's not going to change his mind just to help you do something you want to do, okay? So the Holy Spirit never contradicts the Holy Bible. That's why we dive into the Holy Bible and under, want to understand its will, God's will and his ways for us as recorded in Scripture. The Holy Bible is not a substitute for the Holy Spirit. See, this is the danger for our church. We love the Bible so much that we made it our middle name, Harvest Bible Chapel. And we think that in reading the Bible and preaching from the Bible and listening to sermons from the Bible and memorizing the Bible, that somehow we have all we need to live the Christian life. That is not true. There are people that have degrees in Bible who have no spiritual life at all. And so it's not just about filling our heads full of Bible. We need our hearts full of the Holy Spirit to activate the Holy Bible, the Word of God in our lives. Too often we try to remove the mystery from the Holy Spirit. Um, when I was growing up, the church that I went to, the preacher at our church, he preached from the King James Version of the Bible. Didn't anybody like me? Your preacher preached. Did anybody actually bring a King James this morning? If you brought a King James, lift it up. The people that have one, man, it went up fast and it's heavy. I can tell it. I, like, I see them back there. They're proud of that King James Bible. I love it. That's great. In the, in the King James version of the Bible, the title for the Holy Spirit is what? The Holy Ghost. Ooh. <laughs> Sounds mysterious, right? And so now that we've gotten all sophisticated, the new modern translations, they say, well, that's too spooky. They'll think of horror movies. We'll, we'll call it the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong with either translation, but it would do us good to treat the Holy Spirit a little more mysteriously than we do. I guarantee you in the next seven or eight weeks, I am not going to answer all your questions about the Holy Spirit. The reason is because I haven't found the answers to some of my questions about the Holy Spirit. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to be something other than our finite minds can comprehend. God still does miracles. God still does the supernatural. And we don't need to confine the Holy Spirit to somehow a few things that we think are appropriate. The Holy Spirit has freedom to move and do whatever he wants to do. Wes mentioned earlier in the service that I was in uh, Hungary and Romania. They speak two different languages, Hungarian and Romania. And I was there preaching and teaching 12 times over the course of about a week there, a few weeks ago. And I, it would have been very helpful if the Holy Spirit would have granted to me the gift of speaking in the language of the people that were there listening. Lord, if you, anytime you want to give me the gift of Hungarian, that would be very helpful at this point. And he didn't give it to me. He didn't give me the gift of tongues. He gave me the gift of an interpreter and the gift of Google Translate. And that's about as best as I could do at that point. But the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants to do, okay? He, he's not subject to us. We are subject to him. But what we believe about the Holy Spirit is defined by the Holy Bible. And we need to embrace the mystery of the Holy Spirit without relinquishing our grasp on the authority of the Holy Bible. 
okay? So with all of that said, I've asked you to open your Bibles to Zechariah chapter 4. Now let me just give you a warning before we dive into this. The chapter that we're about to read is one of the strangest, most bizarre parts of the Bible. If you've never read the Bible because you thought it was just a bunch of symbols and weird signs and symbolic codes, I'm about to confirm all of your suspicions, okay? Because that's what we find in Zechariah chapter 4. Now, let me, let me set up the background here so that you know uh, what we're diving into. What we're about to read was recorded about 500 years before Jesus Christ came as a baby boy in Bethlehem. And um, it came at a season during the, the Babylonian captivity of God's people. So God had chosen a people from all the nations of the earth. He chose the Hebrew people. He entered into a covenant relationship with them. The Hebrew people violated God's covenant, turned their back on God, and as a result, God sent judgment. They were carried away from their promised land. They were carried away into Babylon where they worked as slaves and exiles for about 70 years. But then miraculously, they were freed and they began to return to the promised land. By this time, they were greatly diminished in power. They were greatly diminished in number. They were discouraged and disappointed with how um, everything had gone. And as they were returning to their promised land, their number one job was to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed in their judgment. And, and it, it just seemed so slow and it was so hard and there were so few resources and it was moving so slow that the people were disappointed they were about to give up. And it was at that point that Zechariah got a visit from an angel. And we pick up the story in Zechariah chapter four, verse one. And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me, everybody underline the word, woke me, like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see and behold a lampstand of all gold with a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and one on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said, do you not know what these are? Not a helpful angel at this point. I mean, Zechariah's like, I want to understand this. But the angel's like, why don't you already know what these things are? He's like, no, Lord, I don't know. Verse six, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. I forgot to tell you, Zerubbabel is the project manager for the rebuilding of the temple. Very important key figure in uh, this part of the Bible. So the, the, the spirit of God wants to communicate a message to the project manager over the temple reconstruction project. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. There's three prayers that we're gonna pray in response to what we're seeing in God's word, all related to the Holy Spirit. This is the first prayer. Awaken me to the reality 
of the Holy Spirit. Awaken me to the reality of the Holy Spirit. Back in verse 1, we're told that Zechariah was awoken or awakened as a man is awakened out of his sleep. Now, that's very significant. Zechariah was not asleep. It says he, he woke up as a man who is asleep. That's very symbolic of the people that I face every Sunday morning in church. There are some people here that are awake physically, but spiritually, you are very sleepy. Now, there may be a few people here that are actually physically asleep. Would you check and see if your neighbor's not awake at this point? Just poke them and tell them to read verse one right there. You need to wake up. There's a message trying to be communicated to you here, but there are some others of you. Your eyes are wide open, and yet you're very spiritually sleepy. You are not aware of the reality of the Holy Spirit of God. You're listening to this message as if it was a lecture in a philosophy class or a sports cast. Listen, the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate a message to us this morning from the Word of God. Understand the reality of the spiritual realm. First of all, we are spiritual beings. You are more than just matter. You are more than just chemical. You are a spiritual being. The scripture says that God breathed life into man and he became alive. And so there's a sense in which we are spiritual beings. That's the good news. The bad news is this. We're born into this world spiritually dead because of sin. We're broken. Our, our Wi-Fi signal is, is broken. We've lost connection with God. We are offline with God. We have no reception. And so God has to do something. He has to come to us and do something spiritually to repair what is broken in us. And that's what happens when you're born again. There's two types of people in this room. There are spiritual people and there are natural people. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us about the natural people. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Do you see the attributes of a natural man? Before you are born again spiritually, you think what is happening here is foolish. To think that there is a God out there somewhere and that he created this whole world and he designed you for a purpose and he wants relationship with you and that Jesus died on that cross as somehow a spiritual act to pay for spiritual sin and that one day you're gonna live in heaven in a spiritual place, free from sin. All of that sounds so ridiculous to a natural man because you cannot accept the things of the spirit of God. It's like when you're trying to feed your, your, your kid green beans and he keeps spitting them out and you shove it back in and you scrape his mouth and you stick them back in and he sticks it back out. Am I the only one, your kids do this or am I do this too, right? That's a natural man when God is trying to feed him spiritually. He just keeps spitting it back out. They're folly to him. He cannot understand them and it says, he has no spiritual discernment. 
doesn't understand the will and the ways of God and how he can connect with him and how he can live for the glory of God. That's a natural man. Now, if that's you, you come to church, it never makes sense, you never hear God speak, it, it's not impactful to you, you open your Bible, it's dry, it's boring, it's dusty, that is an evidence that you are still a natural man and you need to be made alive spiritually. How does that happen? We are made spiritually alive by spiritual birth to be born again. One of the passages we'll look at in this series is John chapter three. Jesus was speaking to a very religious man. He was a Bible fathead. He had the Bible crammed in every corner of his brain. And Jesus looked at him and said this, that which is spirit is spirit, that which is flesh is flesh. In other words, you're over here. You're in the flesh. The reason you can't understand these things of the spirit is because you haven't been made spiritually alive. And he looked at that man and said, you need to be born again. And when you're born again, God repairs the spiritual connection between you and him. We are spiritually alive because of spiritual birth. And now we're able to worship a spiritual God. One of the foundational verses for our church is John chapter four, verse 24. And Jesus was speaking to a woman and he said this, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You don't worship God with your intellect. You don't worship God with your natural physical ability. You don't connect with God through any one of your five physical senses. You can't see God, you can't hear God audibly, you can't taste God, you can't touch God, and you can't smell God. Well, how can you know that there's a God? Because you have a sixth sense. If you are a spiritual man, your spirit bears witness with God's spirit, and now you can worship him spiritually. It was great to, I like to look over my shoulder when I'm on the front row and see, you know, you worshiping. And I, I see people connecting with God in worship. That doesn't mean that you have a hand in the air. It doesn't mean that you're singing loudly. It just simply means that God is speaking to you and you're speaking to God and there is an intimacy there that can only be known because you are in relationship with him. We have a spiritual God. And then finally, we need spiritual power. Anybody here need spiritual power? Can, can you just confirm that I need to keep going in this message? We have a need for this series. Everybody here have all the spiritual power. You've, you've had, you had an abundance of spiritual power this week. You're just sharing it with others. You know, just like, hey, if you don't have any spiritual power, you can come borrow some of mine. Anybody like that in here? No. Anybody use any more spiritual power to overcome temptation, to help you love some unlovable people in your life, to connect with God in prayer? All of those things are, they require spiritual power. So our prayer is, awaken me to the reality of the Holy Spirit. We need spiritual power to pray. We need spiritual power to overcome temptation. We need spiritual power to, to tell others about Jesus. We need spiritual power to obey God. We need spiritual power to love unlovable people. We need spiritual power. So we have this strange story here in Zechariah chapter 4. Did you notice all the symbolism in the story? I mean, we have this angel, he wakes up Zechariah, and then he, he shares this really strange vision. 
There's two olive trees. There's a big golden bowl. There's pipes connected from the olive tree to the bowl. And it's fueling this lampstand with 49 different sources of light. What is that all about? As a matter of fact, they took a picture of it when he saw the vision, and I have the picture for us right here. Um, two olive trees, and there's the pipes. Now, now this is what you have to know. Okay, now this is very confusing unless you understand the economy in ancient Israel. So I went to Israel last year, and there's olive trees everywhere. And this is what we, we need to know about this vision. The fuel source was olive oil, which you get from olive trees. And so those olive trees produced olive oil, which was used to provide light and heat in the temple, in the place of worship. The most tedious job of the the priest back in the day was supplying the oil in those bowls so the light never went out and the heat never went out in the temple. So here we have this story of the self-sustaining lampstands that are connected to the constant flow of the olive trees that provide oil for the lampstand. And it's that picture that is used before the angel says, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. By the way, anybody here pregnant looking for a great baby name? Zerubbabel is great. Heather, have you picked a name yet? Is it a boy? Zerubbabel. You could use it for a girl. It doesn't matter. It's a great name. I've never had a baby dedication, Zerubbabel. We need to have a Zerubbabel in the church, okay? So Zerubbabel, remember, is is about ready. His light is about to go out. The, The passion, the heat that he has for this project is about to die. And it's in that moment that God says, look, you do not have enough power. You do not have enough might to make this happen. It is by my spirit, says the Lord. And we know that throughout scripture, oil always represents a symbol, a picture of the Holy Spirit. And so you have this picture of of these pipes, this this connection between the, the source and the light. So here's, here's the question for, for you and I. Are you connected to the Holy Spirit in such a way that you are shining bright light in the darkness all around you and that there is heat, passion for the Lord, even though there is, you are living in a, in a dark, cold world. If you, like Zerubbabel, are about to give up, you're discouraged, this is not going well, it doesn't seem like you have enough energy, enough power, I'm not smart enough, I I don't have enough managerial skill, you need to hear this morning. You need to be connected to the reality of the Holy Spirit. It is not by might, it is not by power, it is by my Spirit, says the Lord. And that's Trent Griffith from Harvest Bible Chapel. He's been explaining the source of power that we as believers have living in us, the Holy Spirit. 
We'll hear the conclusion of this message next week. If you'd like to find out more about Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger or Elkhart, you're invited to worship with us. For more information about service times and locations, just go to harvestgranger.org. Again, that's harvestgranger.org. And be sure to find us on Facebook by searching for Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Well, if you've ever struggled with doubt, unbelief, exhaustion, or even disappointment, then be sure to tune in next week. Those things can feel like huge mountains. I hope you'll join us as Pastor Trent shows us how the Holy Spirit helps us overcome the mountains in our lives. Remember, it's not by might, nor by power, but it's by my Spirit, says the Lord. Thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that God's Word would resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel, Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.